This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 41 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. We would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. Visit them online at kppusa.com. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Heather Blitz in Wellington, Florida, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Heather. Welcome back. It seems like uh, a very long time since you were on the show, and people have been asking where where you've gone, what you've been up to, and I think you've been having some fun since you were last here. Well, I'm glad to be back. I look forward to co-hosting when I can, and um, yes, I've been quite busy in having a good bit of fun getting Paragon out for his first uh, two competitions, I think it's been, since I was on the show last, and quite successfully, I might add. I think quite successfully would be an understatement. You you won the both, and what, 76.8 in your last, is his second pre-San Georges. So two win, two outings, two wins. Um, you must be thrilled with the way he's, he's, he's started the season. It couldn't be better, Heather. Well, it couldn't, and I think he, um, um, for his age, he's, he's seven this year, and uh, he still has so much to develop in strength and in experience that couldn't, I mean, I couldn't even have hoped or even asked for, you know, half of that. I think he did way more than what I even expected, and that's just a great way to start. Well, I know you have another competition with him this weekend um, at the Palm Beach Derby. It is, yeah. It's on Friday and Saturday. We'll do the pre-St. George and then on Sunday, the, uh, sorry, Saturday, the Intermediaire for his first one. And it's his first CDI, which is the, just as a means it's governed in international rules. And they have to be presented for health inspection before the competition and jog for soundness and um, passport has to be presented for recognition. And then uh, the points go for international uh, rankings and sort of like him starting in the big time already. And he, I did look online, and he's the only seven-year-old in the whole CDI. Everybody else is older, so he's going to be in a class um, of more experienced horses. But I, th- I think he's up to the task. Well, he certainly seems to have the the temperament, and and he also has developed quite a following. I, I see you have a fan page now on Facebook just for him. He's become quite the star, hasn't he? Well, he is, and he's starting to, I think he's starting to realize that, and he's um, getting to be more and more of a ham every day, which I just love. (laughs) Such a great personality. I just wish I could have him here in my own living room. (laughs) So if he was a a rock star or or a movie star, who would he be? Well, you know, we talked about that a little towards the beginning of a, the start of us uh, on this radio show, and I really do think he would sort of be an Ashton Kutcher. I mean, he has such a charm about him, and he's so handsome, but he also has a side of him that could be very, you know, goofy and off the wall. So I, I really think that's him. 
Well, yes, when, when you were on the show last summer, of course, we had Paragon's Diary, which we ran each week, and, and that followed him and his uh, training, of course. But now he's back in the, in the U.S. And, and in the big time. Um, I think uh, we should direct our listeners to, to join his fan page and follow his pursuits there. Uh, just, just look for Paragon on Facebook, and uh, he'll tell you exactly what he's been up to. So that. That's, uh, it's going to be exciting watching him as he gets to his first, as you say, first CDI this weekend. We wish you the best of luck with that, Heather. Mm, thanks, Chris. Well, we've got a big show this week, as, as ever. But before we get into it, uh, Heather, we're just uh, going to hear from Glenn the Geek, uh, of course, from Horse Radio Network, who has a big announcement for us. So let's uh, hear what Glenn has to say. Well, this is Glenn the Geek, and I have Heather Heider here with me, who has just been named as the publisher of the Chronicle of the Horse. Hi, Heather. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Well, congratulations on being named as the publisher of the Chronicle of the Horse. Well, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And you just started, like, literally a couple weeks ago, right? It has been exactly two weeks, yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing like trial by fire. We're putting you on the air already. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a delight. So we're, I'm excited about our partnership with you. You guys are our, our latest affiliate, and we, I can't tell you how excited I am. I told my wife the other day, when I, when I, I married into the horse thing, so I'm, 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 I think some of the listeners call me America's horse husband. I married into it, and one of the, the only papers that we read 20-some years ago was the Chronicle of the Horse. We lived in Pennsylvania, and that's so that's the paper I quote unquote grew up with. And I, I told her the other day that that I am so excited that you guys are coming on as affiliates and are going to start carrying the shows, and that we'll be able to work together on some other projects as well. And you know, you told me that you feel the same way about being the publisher. I, I absolutely do. I, you know, as a child, you know, from my earliest memories, I just remember combing through the Chronicle. And, uh, you know, literally I'm pinching myself every day to know that I'm with this organization and this magazine. It's been around for 73 years. It's just, it's such, it, it's just such an overwhelmingly fantastic feeling to be here. Well, I, I had the opportunity to spend the weekend with uh, one of your employees, Erin, and I have to say that uh, if, if she represents the quality of people that work at the Chronicle, then it's a darn good organization. You know, she is absolutely fantastic, and she uh, she really is inspiring for, you know, all of the insight that she has and, and speaks a whole different language on, on website and design, and that's why we have her, and it's just, it's such, it's so nice to work at a place where everyone is, just has their niche talent, and there's just so much, there, there's just such a resume of, of people with just fantastic experience here. Now, we might be talking over some people's heads because this show is now listened to in 37 countries. The Chronicle of the Horse is how old? Uh, uh... It is 73 years old, and we're based here in Middleburg, Virginia. And does it go out to the whole country or regionally? or? It is a national publication, okay. and it's a, it's a weekly publication. You're one of the very few weeklies, aren't you, if not the only one? We are one of the few, and I don't want to say only because I will probably have callers call yeah. in, but, I, but we are one of the few, yes. Well, and that's what makes it unique. You've been around for forever, and, you know, we always sort of correlate you to horse and hound in England. You're the horse and hound of, of, of the United States, and the people who live in England will be able to relate to that. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know... 
the Chronicle has just been a staple in the horse world here in the United States for a very long time. And it is neat to see it now really transitioning into a new media, uh, uh, really a new media entity rather than just a newspaper. You know, absolutely. You know, this is a very small and intimate company, but it's a very progressive company. And, you know, the website is, and is, 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 is just such a future of where, where publications need to go. However, you, you have to also remember that, you know, an organization that is, is thriving on weekly news coverage and national and international sports exposure on competitions, there is still the, still the love and the look and the feel of having your print publication. So, so really, an organization like this, the goals are to be very diverse and to meet the needs of our traveling competitors so that they can be, they, they have the resources online to be able to, ha- you know, pull off the, the editorial stories they're looking for, the results, and, and then we know we can also make sure that they get their weekly publication if they happen to be down in hits for, you know, the next six weeks. So we're really trying to meet the needs of the market. Well, and I think you do that very well, and, and you're right. There is nothing like reading that. My wife used to sit out on the porch with her coffee in the morning and read it, and I think that that's, where, that's, where, that's what, uh, the, how the Chronicle is read all over the country, is with morning coffee. I think that's the thing you do in the morning when you get up. Absolutely, and, you know, we, we're, we're progressing into a very different, um, you know, world of technology, and every, every six months there seems to be a new gadget, but these gadgets are all ways that we can communicate. And so as we're learning these things, we're taking the steps here at our publication to make certain that we are able to deliver the news that our readership needs and wants. Well, you're doing a fantastic job, and again, we are so happy to be working with you. We're, we're thrilled to be able to provide our content, which is in the form of audio, of course. We, uh, we have uh, six shows now, which will be going on seven shortly, and, and you have them all up there on your website right now. Give everybody the website address for me. It is www.cronofhorse.com, and, and that's, that's C-H-R-O-N-O-F. H-O-R-S-E dot com. Like, like anybody in the United States doesn't know that, but we thought we'd throw that out there. <laughs> and, of course, the Chronicle has one of the largest forums for horse people in the, and most active, busy forums for horse people in the country. The Chronicle is the place that I know eventers and, and sport horse people go to chat with each other. So we're just thrilled that we get to continue that conversation and provide the, the content that we do and, and also to work with you on some special projects here coming up in the future as well. I, I can't tell you, I am just absolutely thrilled. Well, we are so delighted about the, the partnership with, with Horse Radio Network. And, you know, just for, you mentioned the forums, there's 48,000 registered members on our forum, and they are an engaged community. Yes, they are. They are, <laughs> they are diverse. They're fox hunters, and they're dressage riders, and they're eventers, and they're there are pony clubbers and intercollegiate horse show associations and hunter and jumper and they're driving and you know that is what the chronicle is it is the one publication that is that speaks for all of the equine community that is an english related base so uh we really do find ourselves in a niche unique market well congratulations again good luck and i assume are you going to be riding down or taking a ride down here for rolex or will we see you down here we, I will be in Rolex. Oh, great. And, 
and uh, looking forward to coming down for that and maybe the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association's uh, National Championship and Pony Finals, definitely to be there. And, you know, we're just excited for our readers to learn more about what we do, but really to, to see, you know, the opportunity on our on our homepage, the relationship that we have with Horse Radio Network. And I just, I think the content that's on your show is so relevant. And, and you all say it, you all say it best that, uh, you know, there is no prejudice here. It's just about horses, and we couldn't feel we couldn't feel more the same. So, we're really excited about this alliance between the two of us. Well, terrific. Well, we're we're looking forward to seeing you in Lexington, and hopefully, we'll meet up then. Excellent. We're looking forward to meeting you then too. Thank you, Heather. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, that's exciting, Heather. We're now going to be carried by the Chronicle of the Horse, um, which which is obviously going to expose us to a new audience, a very informed audience over there at the Chronicle. So we want to send a big welcome to them and uh, hope they enjoy the Dressage Radio Show. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's exciting. Good news there. Yeah, it really is. We, because we're carried now by affiliates around the world in 37 countries, Heather. It's amazing how the show has grown already. Wow, it's fantastic. It's such a, such a great age, you know, for getting the word spread and the information age and electronic age. It's so exciting to be part of it. It, it really is. And talking of new media, uh, we have a friend of yours on the show this week, uh, Catherine Haddad, who's, of course, writing a blog for The Chronicle right now and apparently en- enjoying that and uh, really getting into the new media. So we, we're looking forward to catching up with her a little bit later in the show. And uh, also in the future, Catherine has agreed to uh, join us from time to time and, and send us a postcard from Europe um, so looking forward to that. And also on the show this week, we have Anne Gribbons, of course, who's been appointed as the technical advisor to the U.S. dressage team. I caught up with Anne recently, uh, was it, uh, told, told me a little bit more about what that involves and, uh, um, and what, her, uh, what, her, what she's looking for, really. And uh, she has big plans and she's very, um, very dynamic, isn't she, Heather, and very... Uh, ambitious, very passionate about the sport. So I think it, it, it can only result in good things for the sport in this country. Well, we've all got our fingers crossed and we're all rooting for her to use all that good stuff in our in our favor and see what comes of it. We're all, you know, really gunning for our team to make big, big headway with this new, new uh, program in place here. Absolutely. Well, um, as we get... Uh, Closer towards the the start of the outdoor spring season uh, in Europe, uh, we're also getting getting towards the final of the World Cup, and there was a qualifier in Gothenburg this past weekend. Heather, that was the last chance for the Western European League to uh, make their mark and and uh, send their qualifiers to the the finals in Hetogenbosch at the end of this month. And Adeline Cornelison won that convincingly with eighty four point four with uh, Parsival. And second was Patrick Kittle with Scandic on 79.8. And in third place, Imke Shellikens Bartles on 79.75 with the Mayor Hunter Douglas Sunrise. And Anki, who was on the show, of course, last week, uh, she rode Painted Black into fourth place with 77.25, which means that she just missed the cut for the finals. Uh, Heather, which, uh, gosh, I can't remember the last time a World Cup finals took place without Anki uh, competing. <laughs> Yeah, that's a kind of a big moment in history, isn't it? It it really is, and it shows the depth uh, of the Dutch team too, because Adelind and of course Edward Gall 
with pass uh, with um, Tortillas the, and uh, Imke Schelligan's Bartels. Those top, those three, and only three Dutch riders were uh, would go forward to the final. So those those three um, are uh, have headed the leaderboard on the FEI standings to make the cut to those finals. So I, it's, I, it looks like uh, could well be a, a Dutch whitewash, Heather, doesn't it? It certainly does. And, yeah, what we saw there in Gothenburg in the qualifiers, just, you know, a few of them, they, they, the, the bench they've got is immense. And then, you know, Isabel Worth coming in on sixth with her new horse. Um, you know, that's also, you're not normally seeing her down that far you know, on the on the board, but I have heard that that El Santo is pretty exciting. That's what we're hearing because she's only nine years old, and she was very pleased with him. Apparently, he's showing a huge potential. He was actually in the lead at the halfway stage in Gothenburg, um, uh, but uh, then Shellikens Bartles came along and, and blew Isabel's score to one side. But yeah, she's very very excited uh, about his prospects, and I'm sure ready to you know to to bring another horse into the scene with uh, Satchmo and Verumnik really getting up there in years now, aren't they? They're always looking for somebody to replace the, those two. Yeah, and it's so exciting with each each new horse that you get to train and take get the levels i mean it's the same test but then again each new horse makes the test so different so i i can understand her excitement on you know bringing a new one along and at that level just coming out there's so much to develop and each show each time out is different and, and uh i just i can't wait to see that pair and see what she's got now Yes, looking forward to that, absolutely. Well, we'll keep an eye on them, and we must get Isabel back on the show. You know, the last time she was here, she was um, just about to have her baby, Frederick, uh, back in the fall last year, and, uh, of course, had took some time off for that, uh, but is now obviously fully back in the tack, and so we'll have to get her back on the show and uh, see how, th- how life is evolving for her now. Uh, because I'm, I'm told, Heather. I mean, neither you or I know this, but I'm told that your priorities shift a little bit. You get more, you know, you get maternal. You get to focus on your children, and uh, uh, I think for those riders out there who compete in sports where they jump, you know, sort of a higher risk sport, I think it shifts their pr- um, perspective too. Well, that, that's bound to happen, and yes, I've heard that too. And I don't know how she's balancing it all, but um, she's she's doing great to get back out there so soon after. Yeah, really. Well, good luck to good luck to you, Isabel, if you're listening, and we'll have you back on the show here in a few weeks' time. The other item of news, Heather, comes from Canada this week, and of course, all the focus has been up in Canada with the Winter Olympics. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, but just to mention that the um, the dress, Dressage Canada has now named Gwyn Rukius as the chef to keep for their team. And well, she'll head up the team towards the World Equestrian Games, of course, uh, later on this year. She's been an equine Canada official since 1983. And in addition to being a dressage steward, Rook was chair of the Canadian equestrian team from 1987 to 1992 and chef to keep for the bronze medal winning dressage team at the 88 Olympics as well as the gold medal teams in the 87 and 91 Pan Am Games. Rook was also chef to keep for the 2004 Athens Olympic dressage team and served as team as uh, served a term as chair of Dressage Canada's senior high performance committee. So full of credentials there. Um, obviously someone to uh, accompany uh, Robert Dover, of course, who's their coach. So, you know, the, ca- the Canadians are really b- becoming a force to be reckoned with, aren't they, Heather? No, certainly are. There are many of them in Wellington right now competing on the show season here this this winter, and they're doing very well. And now they're in their super hands. I think there's definitely a team along with 
the ones in the Swedes and the Brits and the Germans and the Dutch. And, you know, the U.S. is really going to have to come up with some powerful stuff to compete with what's out there in the world right now. It's a, it's a really competitive time for dressage, I think, in history, the most competitive ever. So it's really, really something. Yeah, it isn't any longer about the the two or three dominant nations, is it? It's it, you know, it's become such a much broader base, as you say, internationally. There are more nations that are forces to be reckoned with. Absolutely. Well, talking about uh, top class competition, Heather. Uh, of course, we we just enjoyed two weeks of the Winter Olympics. Were there were there any sports there that you were particularly keen on following? Actually, Chris, my time in front of the television has been about maybe five minutes a day. (laughs) I'm so busy during this season. It's crazy. I uh, get home just in time to eat dinner and do a little bit of office work. And then I am pretty much toast. I I go to bed and I wake up the next morning and go again. So I I haven't been able to watch much. How about you? I tried to watch it in the evenings, yeah, even if I put it on mute and I'm still working on the computer, I've tried to because I love skiing. Um, you know, I lived in Switzerland uh, 100 years ago and uh, I did a lot of skiing there, really enjoy that. Um, and the one sport which really got me excited was the the team skiing, you know, the four coming down, racing it together. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, that was so exciting. <laughs> Sounds pretty scary. Well, they have these little mogul jumps at the top to sort them out so that when they come to the big, the first curve, big major curve, they are kind of sorted out so they're not all heading parallel into the first curve. Uh, but very, very exciting. There was some really exciting sport for, for uh, right across the board, some wonderful sport, of course. And uh, uh, the Canadians, I think, had a wonderful time. They won the most gold medals. So congratulations to our friends uh, up there. They had a wonderful, wonderful Olympics all round. I think it was a, a very well run event. So good. I mean, that's really wonderful for them. And I know the Olympics is going to uh, the Winter Olympics is going to Russia for the first time. So uh, that'll be interesting. Maybe we need to get our Russian hats out and Heather and uh, yes, head over to Shosky. <laughs> Get all those Russian hats out of my closet that I own. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to come clean. I bought a Russian hat this year. It was so darn cold in Kentucky. I I made extra concessions. I I I bought one online uh, from Russia, and it's uh, it's. Did you? Oh yeah, I did. It was the best forty-five dollars I've spent this winter. It's the okay. Toast. Talk about we're toast. Gonna to, we're gonna have to see a picture of you wearing that <laughs> on the next radio show icon. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see about that, Heather. We'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> All right. Well, we're coming to um, our first guest this week, uh, Catherine Hadat. Um, but before we do get to that, we're going to take a short commercial break, and we'll be back in just a second. Glenn the Geek here, and we get many emails every week from people who really like the shows, and they ask how they can help support the Horse Radio Network. Well, you already do that by listening to the shows and by buying from all of our fantastic sponsors. And now you can add to that by supporting us directly and very easily. The next time you need something from Amazon, just go to any of our websites and click on the Amazon banner in the middle of the page. Then go on and buy your Amazon items. It won't cost you a penny more, just an extra click. But Amazon gives us a little bit back just because you clicked on the banner. Tell your family and friends to do the same thing. Every little bit helps us to keep giving you the quality equestrian programming that you have come to love. 
Thanks for listening. Well, I caught up with Catherine, uh, as I know she's a great friend of yours, Heather, isn't she? When you were based in Europe, you got to know her? I did. She was just such a huge support for me over there for the first time, and she was always there whenever I needed help or guidance. She um, was there for me, and yeah, we developed a, a very strong friendship, and um, I miss her. I've been gone now for three months, and it's um, hard to get back in touch with such a time difference, you know, six hours difference mm-hmm. in time, so it's hard to catch up with friends, but it'll happen. She'll be here this summer, I think. Excellent. Well, let's hear what Catherine had to say about her recent visit to to Neumünster for the International Dressage Rider Club's General Assembly. Hi, Catherine. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Nice to have you back on again. It's been a while because you were one of our early guests back uh, last year on the show and uh, let us know what you were doing over there in Germany. You've been there for, what, 16, 17 years you've been in Germany now? 16 years I've been here. 16 years. Well, you must be so fluent in German, but we won't, we won't go there. We might uh, mislead our listeners if we start off in German. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to catch up with you, Catherine, because I know you, you, you're really active with your social networking now. And uh, on, on the Chronicle of the Horse, of course, which is one of our affiliate websites now, we're delighted that uh, the Chronicle of the Horse is carrying us. And, and you're blogging. So are you having fun with that? I'm having a ton of fun with that. I wasn't really wasn't sure that I would because I I love to write, but I don't generally speaking spend a lot of time uh, writing. Um, but I've had a ton of fun with it, and it's it's been a nice outlet for me. Great. So, do you think you're discovering you know the the writer in you that you didn't know that was there, huh? Well, to be honest, I've always been a bit of a writer, but oh, I've yeah. never yeah. I've never written about myself or my own life before. Yeah, it's a different perspective, isn't it, when you have to do that that way? Absolutely, yeah. Well, good Well, good for you. Well, we're following you on, on the Chronicle blog, and I also wanted to catch up with you because I know you attended the recent uh, IDRC, International Dressage Riders uh, Committee, um, their uh, meeting in Neumünster, uh, Germany. Um, what happened over there, Catherine? Anything that uh, was of interest that uh, you think are, would interest our listeners? Well, yes, actually, I think as far as general assembly meetings go, it was a pretty it was a pretty darn good one. We had a lot of people there who are very, very interested in the welfare of our sport, not just the welfare of our horses, but in really in promoting uh, a more positive image about dressage sport and um, there were quite a few top riders there, which is what the club is is formed to serve the top riders in the industry. Our only uh, stipulation in order to join the International Dressage Riders Club is that you've competed in one CDI once in your life. So anyone who's competed internationally can join. And actually, we're, we're really pushing a drive for membership in the moment. We'd like to get more and more people involved, uh, especially from the United States. We Obviously, we don't have very many represent, representatives from the United States uh, at the meetings because most of the meetings are held in Europe, but I intend to go from now on. So... Um, we're trying to increase membership, and we did discuss a lot of uh, very interesting topics, I have to say. What kind of things did you cover this time, Catherine? Well, the first thing we did, we, we changed the structure of the actual um, uh, group, um, the actual club, we call it a club, the International Dressage Writers Club. We changed the structure of it. Before this, we had only a, a president who was basically in charge of all of the major decisions, and now we've added a 
um, vice president, who we elected Kira Kirkland as vice president of the club, right. uh-huh. and a secretary general. Um, and we agreed that that uh, Wayne Shannon would be our secretary general. And these three people will form a triumvirate, if you will, and um, the the three of them will be making decisions together uh, for the club in the future. So we think that that's a nice addition, especially uh, having Kira and Wayne on board because they're both very, very active in the sport and, of course, understand the sport inside and out. Um, Wayne presented a very comprehensive uh, um, presentation on clean sport and the, the new progressive list. And we talked a lot about what the new progressive list could mean and whether it's worth voting for or not. And Wayne presented some some really interesting perspectives. There, there was quite a, as you know, a knee-jerk reaction about the, the new doping regulations that would be coming out and the fact that we might allow um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And some people are very, very against this, and other people are very much for it, and it's, it's a rather large controversy in the moment. We discussed that for quite a bit of time, um, basically inside and out, and talked about what would change after April 5th when um, the new statutes go into, into force and that kind of thing. And it was very interesting for most of the riders. Uh, we also talked about the meeting that recently occurred in Switzerland about hyperflexion, um, mm-hmm. the roll core discussion, the roundtable discussion. We had quite an interesting talk about that. Um, and I think, I think we were all very, um, very much agreed that it is really time to put the sport of dressage very much back in the limelight in a positive way. And we know that we're not the only sport that has some problems. We feel like we've been very singled out and targeted over the last couple of years. We have no wish whatsoever to spread this controversy to other sports, even though they might be having some of the same kinds of training issues that we have. However, um, as dressage riders, most of us are really involved in the sport because we love the sport, because it really brings a great, a great many uh, benefits to our lives, and we feel that it does the same for our horses. And one of the points made at the meeting was that, you know, 20 to 50 years ago, when people talked about dressage, all you ever, especially in the, in the time of Reiner Klimke right after Los Angeles, um, you heard so much about the benefits of dressage and how it, how it, made horses live longer and be more supple and more elastic and enjoy their lives, and the increased communication was a mutually beneficial thing. And, you know, we kind of lost that discussion recently, and we all would really like to return to that. So that, I think that was a very positive outcome at this meeting. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, I mean, as you know, here on the Dressage Radio Show, we, we are all about uh, spreading a very positive message about the sport and obviously not ignoring the issues that the sport is now facing. So it's good to catch up with you, Catherine, and find this out, you know, find out what, what's happening from the European perspective, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we re- recently had Tron Asmir on, the, of course, the FEI Dressage Director. He came on after that meeting that they held in Lausanne uh, about the Rollcore hyperflexion debate. And so it's, it's a really hot topic in Europe, and we, uh, it's interesting to get your perspective. Was, was there anything else that, that happened at that uh, IDRC meeting? Uh, uh, well, Trond was also present at our, our meeting, which we, we welcomed him. Um, it's, 
we, we did get a real sense, and I, and I do believe this is true, that the FBI is very interested and very much pursuing communication with all of the stakeholders in these controversial issues, but also in the sport, just basically. And I think that Mr. Osmir is, is doing a wonderful job of touching base with everybody who is involved and listening and trying very much to keep things on an even keel. And while no one is ignoring the controversial issues that we have to discuss and to face, everybody would really like to work together to find some solutions that are that are happy ones <laughs> for yeah. everyone included. Um, so it, there was a real sense of cooperation at the meeting, and, and everyone was, was quite happy to be there and participate in it. The only other uh, topic that was, was um, strongly brought up and, and mentioned was um, the prize-giving ceremonies and what to do about uh, what sort of format to take for prize-giving ceremonies. It's been a problem in Europe, specifically over the last... Ten years or so, we've had a lot of, we've tried a lot of different ways to do prize giving ceremonies to make it safe for the horses, to make it safe for the riders, and yet still to show the top horses and riders there when they receive their prizes. And it got a bit bungled up in, in the European Championships last summer, and a lot of people were dissatisfied with it. So we discussed that and kind of put it out there that we, we needed to think about uh, a solution there. And um, the next meeting of the IDRC will be in uh, Sertogenbosch at the World Cup final okay. uh, on Friday, March 26th. Okay. So um, I think a lot of people are intending to be there. Certainly all the top riders will be there because they're going to be at World Cup anyway. Sure, sure. Well, good. Well, maybe we can catch up with you after that if there's anything interesting that you think our listeners would be uh, would be interested in hearing about, Catherine. Yeah, of course. I'll I'll drop you a line if anything interesting happens. Wonderful. And so, where next for you? Um, I'll be going to Braunschweig in two weeks. Braunschweig is a CDI four star that's only about two hours from where I live here in Germany. Mm-hmm. And which horses will you be riding? I'm going to take Maximus to that show. I just did a show at Neumunster with him, and I, I mean, I have to admit, it was not our most stellar performance. But I felt a bit like I kind of left the house in my pajamas and, you know, <laughs> sort of, sort of rode around, <laughs> rode around on a vacation-like basis. I, it's, it's been such an incredibly hard winter here that I just have not been able to stay in top form, and I'm the first to admit it. Um, I, we, we are, we don't have any kind of capacity for this kind of winter in this part of Germany. We, we're having incredibly sub-freezing temperatures and no insulated arenas, no heated arenas, nothing that really combats the cold. And it's impossible to get yourself warm. It's impossible to get the horse warm. And it's just, it just hasn't been a good winter for, for, for working hard and, and achieving things. So, um, I kind of, Step back to Maximus, my my standby, Mr. Mr. Steady Eddie, and he's going to do a couple shows with me now, and um, I'm going to bring Cadillac back out when the weather warms up, probably in April. Uh, well, far too cold to be leaving home with in your pajamas. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't actually do it, but it felt a little bit that way. <laughs> you know, I've been riding for weeks in a pair of sheepskin Uggs and snow pants. Wow. That's how cold it's been. So, of course, my seat's gone right out the window, and I just haven't felt like I could really train my horses. But it, it did, the, the temperature at least eased up the last couple of days, so I think we can get back to work now. Well, can we expect any of those photographs on your Chronicle blog, Catherine? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't 
think I allowed anyone in <laughs> the arena with a camera during the snow pan. No, you know what? We could take one tomorrow. I'll, just for you, Chris, oh, I will put one on the blog. Thank you, Catherine. That would be so much fun. And we'll make sure we link to it from the Dressage Radio Show. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, great to catch up with you. Good luck with the show next week. Try to stay warm, stay thawed out over there. And uh, we'll have you back on the show in a few weeks' time. And good luck with the ha- Continue to have fun with the blog. Oh, I will. Thanks very much. Well, again, our thanks to Catherine for giving us that update, and uh, we will be following her this year and also have her back on the show to give us reports from Europe in what we're going to call a postcard from Europe. So we're looking forward to that. Well, we're going to take another short commercial break here before we get to our second guest this week, uh, Anne Gribbins. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a second. Hi, Glenn the Geek here, and we all know that Kentucky Performance products are scientifically developed to address the specific problems facing modern horses. One of those problems that's happening right now in the South and going to start happening all over the country, we hope soon, is heat. And horses sweat, and when they do, they lose critical electrolytes, electrolytes that play a major role in optimal performance. Loss of electrolytes causes fatigue, muscle weakness, and dehydration. Horses offered supplemental electrolytes have less stress-related problems. They rebound from exercise sooner and return to feed quicker after exercise. Summer Games electrolytes from Kentucky Performance Products were developed for the elite athletes competing in the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. The research-proven formula replaces the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when horses sweat. Its concentrated low-sugar formula provides more electrolytes per dose than many leading brands. When your horse sweats, replenish his losses with Summer Games electrolytes. Brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Helping you keep your horses healthy, sound, and competitive. Visit them at kppusa.com. Well, our next guest, Heather, is someone obviously that's making quite a mark for herself in American dressage. She's been based over here for a number of years, a a, a native of Sweden, of course, but um, also a citizen of this country. And she has taken over the reins as the USEF's technical advisor for dressage and uh, a lot of responsibility there. So I thought it was time we caught up with her and heard what she had to say about her new role. So let's listen to what Anne has to say. Well, hello, Anne, and welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Well, you, of course, are well-known in the dressage world, Anne, and uh, have, have made a lifelong career of, of, of wearing many hats, from rider to clinician to judge, and, and now with a very new hat, wearing, uh, uh, wearing a new position as the uh, U.S. Equestrian Federation's Dressage Technical Advisor. Uh, this was something that uh, uh, you took up uh, just the end of last year, of course. So tell us a little bit about that, Anne, and, uh, and what that involves for you now over the winter months when we're leading into a big championship year. Well, there are you know, several tiers of the job, but my main task is to try to oversee the training and preparation of U.S. riders and horses as they prepare for the world championships later on for Pan American Games and Olympic Games. So does that involve much traveling at this time of year? Because you're based down in Florida for the winter and so much happens in in Wellington. Do you expect that you'll see most of the the horse and riders that you need to be keeping an eye on uh, down in Florida? Yes, of course. This is 
for the moment or during the season, as we say, this is the Mexico dressage on the East Coast. But let us not forget that we also have the West Coast and the middle of the country. So I will be going a lot by car back and forth. I live in Orlando, not in Wellington, but I will be going back and forth. I already have to every important event and show and horses I need to check on, etc. And uh, I also came back Sunday from California where I was go, uh, went to visit their first CDI three-star, um, the first one of the season to take inventory and also to have a meeting with the riders in, uh, and trainers in California. So what does that actually involve when, when, when you meet with these riders at this point? Um, obviously, this is a big year for us with the World Championship. So what kind of uh, responsibilities do you have to them at this point? Or are you, are you looking for information from them? Are you just scouting at this stage? Uh, well, a little bit of each. Uh, I am scouting because some of these horses I may not have seen before. I do know all the horses because I have judged most of them have been competing for several years, of course. So I'm familiar with the riders and horses in general. But, of course, the riders get new horses. And then we have some up-and-coming young riders that I need to see. So, so that's the scouting portion. The, the other portion is that I have to inform our elite riders about our educational programs and our USOC support programs for them as they get closer to the games. And I have to help them if, with schedules for Europe if they wish to go and show in Europe. And some of them I have to advise because they may not know how to go through the procedures to qualify for wing selection, well, and they may not know what we have available to them, both in education and in health, financial and from USOC. So it's a lot of information, too. Yeah, certainly uh, there's a lot of responsibilities with, with this role and, and you therefore I suppose will you keep an eye on the form and the soundness of all these horses and, and the developing uh, skills of, of these younger riders particularly as they're coming up through the ranks? That is completely correct. Uh, and of course, as you well know, with horses, things change on a daily basis. So it is you really have to keep your eye out and your nose to the ground as far as what's going on with each horse because we are we really have a lot of upcoming talent but we are a little bit sparse going into WEG in numbers of horses that are actually going to be ready and experienced enough uh, to take on the rest of the WEG competitors. So we need to really take care of and protect their health, soundness, sane, sanity, etc. as they go forward towards WEG. Now, I, I should also mention that uh, also uh, last month, in December, at the end of last year, Ava Salomon was uh, appointed the Managing Director and Chef de Keep for Dressage at the U.S. Equestrian Federation, and you will be working, obviously, very closely with her, um, and, and she will be uh, obviously coming into position here shortly. That in itself must be in a very critical team component, because I understand that um, there was some back and forth 
a little bit in, in how you were appointed, uh, because not least of all because you were um, appointed to the FEI Dressage Committee, so to avoid a conflict of interest there, um, these roles were redefined. So now we've got to this point, and how do you see you working hand-in-hand hand with Ava when she takes up that position? Oh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, Eva has a great value because she has worked for many years for the FEI. And, of course, for our elite athletes, it's very important to have a direct connection to all the organizers and the knowledge of how to work with Europe. Uh, I know Eva. We're not close friends, but I know that she's very efficient, effective, because we have worked with her uh, as judges and on all the committees I've been on for years. We have also worked with her when she worked for the FBI. So she should be a tremendous asset to us, and I believe she will be in the country in a couple of weeks and working with us. And uh, both Jennifer and Viren and I are very much looking forward to it. Uh, and we are very, very grateful to Jim Wolf, who really got up and worked with me when uh, I suggested Eva and has made it all happen. Well, I know that uh, you were quoted uh, a few years ago as saying hopefully the job uh, would be handed over to an American because there were a number of uh, internationally successful U.S. riders who'd be able to handle these responsibilities. Do you feel that it's not yet time for them? or Because obviously you support Ava's uh, a role um, and, and joining joining us now as a, another Swede, as you, as you are indeed yourself. But do you think that maybe we just haven't quite got to the point where we have someone to take over those reins that's American-born and, and internationally trained? Oh, uh, that's Eva's role is, is strictly admin, administrative. It's got nothing to do with training the riders or working with them. And I would like to point out that I am American for 30 years. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I've been a citizen for a long time, and I feel very American. So in fact, you do have an American, American in charge. <laughs> and it's for the first time because, you know, an American citizen has never been in this position before. Well, obviously, you, you've had a depth of experience, and over the years as a judge, now one of only four O judges in the country, um, as a competitor and an Olympian yourself, and a trainer, you run a successful training establishment there in, in Florida. You wear so many hats. Do you have any one aspect of, of, of the different hats that you prefer? How would you, how would you like to be defined? <laughs> well, my heart is really in the training and the riding and competing, and it always has been. All these other things evolved later on, and I like all aspects of the sport, and I think one of the reasons that the Eligible Athletes Committee chose me of the 11 or whatever candidates there were is the fact that I do have an all-round experience. I have done many things within the sport, and I think if it all ties in, it could really help the athletes to have somebody that knows the different aspects. I hope, anyway, that that will happen. So how much of your time do you uh, delegate to your training, your own business, and being a judge, and the travel that that's involved, and, and being, on the, of course, in the, on the FEI Dressage Committee, and, and now wearing this new hat, and which obviously has its own responsibilities in, in terms of travel and time? How, how do, you, how do you, f you get through a day? I mean, it must be a really, really, really uh, difficult to juggle all those different roles. 
Yes, it may be too difficult. As a matter of fact, <laughs> um, <laughs> it could very well be. Uh, I am trying it out. I was not expecting to get the FEI appointment at all. I was certain when uh, I received a job offer for this position that that would be a conflict with being on the FEI committee, which is why I completely forgot about it until sometime in October it, it became apparent that I was still uh, an option to, be, to get in that position. And at that time, the USEF uh, very strongly recommended I take it because we haven't had a representative uh, for from from uh, our side of the Atlantic for uh, I think six or seven years, and they said no, you must take this on, and that's when I asked for uh, somebody competent with the FEI to help me out as a director of research. And we didn't have a director of dressage at all, and I think it was just a very lucky and timely coincidence that Eva was available. Well, now, of course, as you say, the focus is on the World Equestrian Games and finding the right horses to and, and rider combinations to represent us on our home turf here. We're all obviously very much looking forward to that opportunity. And with the growth of American dressage over the years, it would seem obviously a little bit disappointing that we haven't got more very powerful combinations to ride alongside Stefan and Ravel. Do you see these just sort of waiting in the wings and they'll be more ready for London 2012? Or what do you, what, where do you see we are at the moment in this sort of sea of, uh, uh, of you know, where we go with this, next, with this journey, Anne? I think that the WEG is going to be a little bit of a struggle, not because we don't have talent, as I said, but because we don't have enough combinations to choose from. And if we lose one or two, we panic. Uh, that is something that one of the things, by the way, that I hope to help correct in the future and I'm very passionate about is to build the whole pyramid of training so that we can have a system all the way from ponies and youth, which we really have not taken care of before. And that's where we are in this position today. So, but looking around towards WEG, uh, we do have some horses that are starting to do very nicely in the qualifiers. We sort of, we hope, of course, that Ravel will be uh, the, you know, the horse that we will create a team around. Um, and uh, going forward, I think from the first qualifiers, there is some hope that some horses may be ready for the task. It's not going to be easy. And uh, that's too bad because we we have the home court advantage. But what I also see already in this short time are a lot of wonderful horses for coming up that will not be ready for WAG, that some of them you could push if you wanted to, but I think that would be devastating because we could also ruin them by doing that. But they are wonderful talents, just a little bit too green. And we're just going to have to wait until they get ready to bloom. And I can see that we will have a very strong team for the Olympics. So our main mission for WEG will be to try to qualify for the Olympics, and that also is not going to be so easy because we will have to get a medal to do that. And uh, the chances um, are not great only because, well, I know the horses we're up against. I spent all of 2009 judging every one of them over and over. So I'm very aware of what our competition is. So that's why I have to be realistic, but I'm still hopeful.
you know, things things change with horses, as I said, and, and <laughs> we have, yeah, and that in uh, this year, that could work in our favor. Well, absolutely, and we've seen some wonderfully strong um, combinations emerge from Europe with world record-breaking performances, which uh, obviously is quite imposing for us uh, coming from where we are. And uh, and you've said, as you said, you've seen a lot of horses that just on the fringe, not quite ready this year. Um, but most importantly, if they're going to be ready for the Olympics, we also be needing to qualify as well, as you mentioned, Anne. Does that involve a team medal of any color, or can an individual do that? You can qualify with a somewhat complicated system through individuals as well. Uh, but we also have an opportunity to qualify at the Pan American Games. And if I'm still up and running and have anything to do with it, we will win the gold at the Pan American Games. Because <laughs> I think absolutely no other option, because we have fabulous horses that we'll be ready for that. Well, that's exciting. I love your enthusiasm there and a, a determination that we will win gold. <laughs> oh, yeah. In Mexico, watch out. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it may not be well. We still have a few months to get our act together for WEG. So, yes, we're working hard on it. I'm sure you are. Um, give us some sense of, of the kind of horses that you would see maybe in four years, to, in two years' time, I'm sorry, for the Olympic Games, for next year for the, for the Pan Ams. And for, do you have any uh, that you've scouted, that you've pointed, made a, made a penciled a note in your notebook that these are the horses that we, I want to watch for, you know, two, three years' time? Yeah, I've already in the short time seen probably half a dozen that look very, very promising. But as I said, as tempting as it is to push them on so they can go to WEG for us, that would be the wrong thing to do for the, for the horses and for the sport. So we're not doing that. But uh, it, they, they are up and coming, and I'm not going to tell you who they are. <laughs> not <laughs> <Of course yet. laughs> not. <laughs> Hopefully we'll come back on the show next year, or just before Pan Ams, when the list is announced. And, uh, and you yeah, right. say, Chris, these are the ones I had in mind last year, and I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yep, that could well happen. Well, I just want to talk about youth and the investment of youth, and because I know this is something that's dear to your heart. You've been involved with, with committees and projects of, of, of investing and developing the youth in the sport all the way through. Talk to us a little bit about that and what, what do you see as our priorities in the U.S. for developing those programs? Uh, well, to as soon as possible install and, and neuter and protect a program for ponies and for youth, starting at the very bottom. We have never had that. As a matter of fact, when dressage first started in this country, and that's when I arrived, when it was just a new discipline to this country, uh, we almost made a point to make it, make it an adult sport. And that was really a huge mistake because that, since then we've been always looking for new upcoming riders. And they come from the ponies and the youth. So this is one thing that we have to organize and get going. Another thing is the in-between. We have pretty good juniors, young rider programs, but then there is this little, um, like, in between time, between when 
the young rider time is over and the young rider that is now 21 is going to move in to the adult part of the sport and, and of course, compete with the people who are some of them team members or past team members. This is a, a very difficult step for two reasons. One, of course, is the inexperience and it's hard to step up to that level. The other is that many of those young rider horses cannot learn the Grand Prix and cannot go on. They're just limited to what they do. Their job is to be young rider horses and they would do fine there, but then they can't learn the rest. And that's very often the case. And those young people need a lot of help to go on to what we call the Brentina Cup, which is where they start competing at Grand Prix. And that is a huge step for the horse as well as the rider. It's almost like a new sport. And that's where we need to concentrate more of our help as well. And with our educational programs, we are going to try to do that. We have now um, a developing coach, uh, Debbie McDonald, and uh, she is, has already produced very many horses herself. And her, her student for many years, Adrian Lyle, just did a wonderful job this last past weekend at Grand Prix out in California. And uh, she is our developing coach and is going to work with me to and try to develop that. And then we, I'm also looking forward to having a pony and youth coach running that program when we get it in place. And I'm hoping that that will be London Gray. So we have things to, to do, for sure. We also have a, the very first strategic planning committee meeting uh, that also, in, in addition to all these things, uh, has also has the young horse coach uh, coming, Scott Hassler, and several other respected members of the dressage community. We're going to meet at the Palm Beach Derby in person. And we, just, we only had one telephone conference, and now we're going to start working towards putting all these things together. Another very positive thing, timely thing that happened is uh, that George Williams has now become the president of the USDF, so that I am hoping, and I've worked with him for many years, we were even co-chairs once at the dressage committee on the technical committee, and I'm hoping to get the technical USCF committee, the high performance, and the USDF all to work together towards these goals of putting together a dressage program that will work for every age, every level, to take them from the very start to the top. Well, that's a wonderful um, way, of, as you say, of getting your arms around the, the whole of the, the the base here that we need to nurture. And it's interesting, the mem- people that you mentioned, of course, have been on the Dressage Radio show a number of times, and and not least of all, some of the young riders and who uh, we've had this conversation with them about how they get to a point with their young rider development and, and really, really promising young riders. And and then what next? How do they step the next right. running up the ladder? What, what advice would you to give to these young people, Anne? Well, of course, uh, it takes three to tango here. It takes uh, the rider, a good horse that can develop on, and the trainer. And, and it also, unfortunately, takes money. So this is something that that whole thing has to gel in a way that makes it productive for everyone. And they are lucky. Actually, our young riders today are very lucky. They do not have to all go over 
to Europe for years and years and sit there and be working students and whatever because no help is available here. That was my generation's case. We went for all these hardship tours to Europe with horses over and over again. And, but they don't have to do that. There are plenty of people available now that can teach and help the young people. We just have to make it really available to them and, and sort of have, have a program that they can, uh, with help from us, in a more organized fashion. They can come and say, what do I do? And we can give them an answer or tell them who can help them in their area and have more help available. But we have lots of good trainers here, and I fully hope and intend to use our native talent much, much more to train the young people. And what, of course, has been encouraging over recent years is the development of, of homebred horses and the depth and quality of horses that we have here now. And um, it, it just seems, you know, we've got everything going right on in the left hand. We just need to, it to balance with the right hand. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if we can get all our progress, it, it will also be a good thing to get the young horses in training with the talented people, young people that like to train horses from breaking and on and then make sure that they are supervised, which Scott has already started with uh, for several years. But we need more people to get involved with this to really help them so that the horses get on the right path from the beginning and the young people really concentrate on doing that. That is a whole little area in itself that many of them would love to do as a lifestyle and as a profession. And, of course, it's critical... And that, that would help the breeders. And that would help the yeah, breeders. I'm sorry. It, it, no, I was just about to say that it, it is critical that these young people get the right kind of advice at that pivotal age where the, it's so important that they establish the absolute basics, the foundations of, of, of horsemanship and, and correct riding that we call dressage. Uh, and I mean, that, that is the most pivotal point because it's so easy for some of them maybe to get into the wrong hands, if you will, either on the wrong horse or in the wrong track with the wrong trainer. Um, and, and we could potentially lose good talent so i think all the programs that you're speaking of today and uh, uh, if once you get your arms around all of them we're going to have a, a strong foundation and a rung on every a step on every rung of that ladder all the way through well i certainly hope so that at least is my dream and my ambition which is one of the reasons i took this on it is about the whole program in the United States, not just about the elite riders. And I think if we, if we get the programs going just right and fine-tune them, then they will never have a problem with the elite riders. We'll have plenty to choose from, good horses that are bred here and very good riders that are standing in line knocking at the door. And that's what I hope to at least start. And, you know, that to, just to get it started would, would really be my ambition. Well, I know I can uh, confidently speak for the dressage community in this country and for, for their appreciation of your dedication and, and, and the drive that you have to make this uh, dream come true and establish this very, very necessary structure for the betterment of the sport. And so I'm curious just to, to round up here and what would you like your legacy to be in <clears throat> 10 years time when you look back on this? <laughs> I 
don't know. I haven't thought of it as a legacy. Right now, I'm just trying to have a little time management to get it all done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not about a legacy. It's about just trying to fulfill a, a mission and a dream that I've had for a long time to see it all gel and to see us get our own brand of dressage because I know we can do it. I know we have the passion in this country and we have the horse material and we have the riders. This is, you know, there's so many people that are so passionate about this, but a little confused and running in all directions. And of course, we need the support of the athletes, of the riders. They have to get on board and say, okay, this may be a new thing, but let's try it. It could lead to something good. It will take time. It will take effort, commitment, and it won't always be fun, and it will be a lot of work. But I think we can do it. Well, I'm sure with your dedication and passion that, that obviously motivating a lot of people towards the same goals, Anne, and, and we're just delighted that you're, you're heading, the, heading up this uh, very, very exciting time in American dressage. I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your enthusiasm with us. Oh, you're so welcome. My pleasure. A very important position there for Anne Heather. Um, you know, as you said earlier, this the, the the Americans have really got everything to do to keep up with the development of the sport at international level as we get to hosting the World Equestrian Games for the first time, and and then we'll get to the Pan American Games, and we're in that cycle. There's there's always a lot to do, isn't there? But not least of all this year, when we really obviously want to defend our turf. Well, yeah, and we've got a big a big you know, our work's really cut out for us and really cut out for Anne. And um, there's so much competition now that it's a, it's a huge task. And it may be um, really important for us also, of course, to have a, a strength for the Pan Ams um, next year in Guadalajara, Mexico. So, um, yeah, she's got uh, a, quite a bit of, of steering to do here. So my, all our fingers are crossed. Yeah, well, good luck to everybody out there as we, we rev up the competition here. And it's, it's certainly going to be an exciting year and we'll be following it all on the Dressage Radio Show. Well, I uh, just want to mention, Heather, before we get to your tip of the week um, about the great partnership series that I'm asking everyone to, to who has partnerships that they were particularly uh, keen on, you know, that they were favorites of, um, to send those in to me. Send me an email, chris at horseradionetwork.com, and we're going to start to talk to these people. I mean, there are so many great partnerships out there over the years, um, some within our memory, some within a shorter memory, but they, there's so many wonderful partnerships. I think uh, they deserve another mention, don't you, Heather? Is there anyone that just jumps off the page to you? Well, of course, our current partnership, um, Stefan and Ravel, is of great interest. And you know, throughout history, there are so many um, it's hard to pick out some. I always remember um, Nicole Uphoff and Rembrandt mm-hmm. as in my mind. Um, you know, Anki's had so many partners. Um, of course, Reiner Klimke and Alaric. There, there are so many. It's hard to come up with with you know one. But as we get started, we can go through, and our listener emails can come in and give us suggestions on ones they want to hear more about. But um, absolutely, it's a great new idea. Yeah, I think it'd be fun just to give them the recognition now as they fade into our memories. But uh, they really made a very strong impact on the sport. So uh, we look forward, look forward to having conversations about them. And uh, I must try and get hold of Nicole because uh, she's one of my favorite 
partnerships and uh, and some other people have mentioned her too so uh, i think she'll she'll be one of the first calls we make here well heather we're coming to our tip of the week and it's something that i thought we should discuss you know you're all about biomechanics in in the rider and the correct position and the correct use of muscles and particularly core muscles and the one thing that comes to mind and i know i used to have to remind myself when i was riding that uh, that it's very easy to get from that point where you're very mindful of how you use say core muscles to a place where you're creating tension so i wondered if we could talk a little bit about that and 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 you explain to us how you moderate that because we can watch videos of you riding and it's it's invisible it's totally invisible (laughs) so you, you must have a way of keeping that balance obviously well, I have a lot of ways of keeping that balance, and it doesn't come down to you know just a few um, a few points. There are so many things that are involved. It's sort of like there is so much of an iceberg underneath the surface of the water that um, when you learn how to control your body in certain ways and you do it long enough that it becomes second nature, you really don't think about it consciously anymore. And you might think of the things that are just like the iceberg above the water. You can think of a few things that I do to keep myself um, as I look in the saddle. But, um, you know, the word tension is really confusing. I mean, if you think about muscles, they're either uh, an individual muscle fiber is either on or off. And a muscle fiber can't have a halfway point. It's either it's either on or off. Um, it's just an electrical impulse. So when you talk about tension, um, you know, the opposite of tension, I guess, or the opposite of muscle really being used would be a muscle being limp. And I certainly am not riding around on a horse that moves as big, especially as Paragon, with limp muscles. Um, I think it's a, a good way to think about how to use your muscles is that you have to Think about the forces of the horse's movement going up and forward and down, sometimes side to side. That whatever horse, whatever forces your horse has in them, you have to match those forces in your own body. Um, if you don't, and you and you let your muscles, you say you don't want to be tense. So then, if you go to the other extreme and you just let yourself be limp, then the horse will move your body around for you and that's not going to make you match their forces of course you can be totally still sitting on an object that doesn't move but once the object moves you've got to have muscle tone um, in order to really match the movement of the object you're sitting on Um, tone is probably a better a better word to use than tension Um, tension obviously comes with negative connotations Tension can also be, I think, mental. Um, yes. If riders are tense for for because mentally they're unclear, they're not in a good focus zone. Um, is where I think riders can get tense. If uh, I mean, I have seen riders that would be labeled as very stiff riders, where I have actually added muscle strength to them to make them appear or become um, more still, more looking relaxed. So, you know, the the whole problem of watching, whether it's a ballerina on stage or a dressage rider in the ring, is that how it looks is 
often not how it feels to do it. And you might see the picture, um, since you mentioned Paragon and me, you might watch the video and say, I look very relaxed. And it, and I agree, it does. But I can guarantee you that I'm sweating when I ride is done. <laughs> Even though that was a cold, windy day, my muscles are very on. Um, it's because I control the movement in my body. And I just know how to match it to the movement in his body. It's different than following the motion because that's more sort of being just toted along where your horse is determining your body for you. And if you have your horse in a good organization and your body in a good organization, then you should be the one leading. Um, just like a, a dance partner, you want to be the one who who's the lead partner in your um I mean, normally it's the man leading and the woman is following. And the same with a horse and rider. The rider has to be the one leading the horse, even though the horse is supplying the effort and the work. But um, I think that uh, it can be easily misunderstood that, you know, muscles being on and toned is not a matter of stiffening against the movement. It's just a way to determine the movement in your body so that the horse doesn't do it to you. I mean, you could imagine if the horse determined your movement, you know, what if your horse went in a little way that's not so organized? For instance, he's leaning to the outside or he's got his balance too much on the forehand. His back isn't up. He's not... Um, starting by pushing with the hind legs, starting with pulling with the front legs instead. I mean, if you just follow the horse's movement, you have to be pretty darn sure that your horse's movement is correct if you want to follow along in his way. And if it's not, then he needs to follow your movement, which takes muscle tone. So um, that's a great question. And I get a lot of those questions as I teach in clinics and lessons um, with the same um, the same concerns that riders don't want to get tense um, so it's a great question, and I hope that maybe kind of clarifies it a little bit. What advice would you give to riders that are riding with an injury? Now, I know I battled with this, and I'm sure many riders do. You have, say, a low back injury, Heather. Let's take that as an example. So you're striving to compensate for that um, without your riding being detrimental to the horse. You're, you're trying to use use your other, you know, what you... You know the muscles that are in good tone or are in good shape, and compensate for that. What what advice would you give to riders to to overcoming those that that kind of challenge? Well, as long as your injury is not you know at risk of being re injured by being back on the horse, um, I think in in particular a low back injury, the more muscle tone and support you put around the vertebrae of your spine, the better the less that your spine is able to um, kind of wobble or wiggle into into places that are not healthy for it, um, the more tone you and support you put around it, the better. And then as far as being on movement, walk, trot, or canter, um, keep it at a level of power or impulsion that you can handle. And, you know, don't push beyond your means until your your own rehabilitation is coming along to match it 
and, you know, don't think, well, I'm going to outstrength this or I'm going to be brave and just kind of put on a some kind of a I'll go for it anyway attitude. Just do what you can. Um, also, to be fair to the horse, if he starts moving and you don't have the strength or the, the capacity to stick with it, then it also wouldn't be fair to ask your horse to do something that you don't um, that you don't keep up with very well. So I guess just I mean, there could be so many different injuries um, or just lack of strength kind of areas that you're talking about but i would keep it at a level where you really feel competent um, and capable and just let it be um, every day a little bit of improvement and and let it take the time that it has to take to get the the strength and health back together again okay well i think that's that's very helpful heather i think you know one of the other things i think people maybe struggle with too and i know when you have an injury in one part of your body you can get referred pain somewhere else which might cause tension too uh, so it, that's a, it's a difficult balance isn't it when you're trying to rehab your body um, and and still ride as well as you should and do the horse justice well, right, and you just have to be realistic that you won't ride as well as you will when you're finished with the rehabbing. So you just have to have the patience to take it down a few notches and do very basic, very like baby work. And don't expect that you'll be at your full strength or to ride your horse at his full strength until you have the, you know, all the means back in your body that you need. So, um you know, time and patience, I'm sure, for both for horse injuries and human injuries, uh, you just have to to go through the time that it takes to get back where you were and just don't push it. Great. Well, good advice, Heather. Thanks so much for that. Um, well, we, we just have one email this week, Heather, from Dawn. She, uh, she likes our show. Thank you, Dawn. We always like to hear that, of course. And she says she's an adult rider and someone who's very new to the sport and was hoping that we could give her some explanation of, of some of the lingo that we use. And, you know, I apologize, Dawn. You know, we do say things that, you know, are second nature to us and, and acronyms and initials and we apologize for that, and I know you wanted some explanation. One example she had, Heather, was CDI. What is it, and why is it important? And, of course, we have to remember, if you're new to the sport, it'd be like you and I going into snowboarding or uh, ice skating or something. You know, we wouldn't know all the terms, would we? No. Um, CDI is actually French. It's French for Concours Dressage International, which, of course, is run under the auspices of the International Equestrian Federation, the FEI. Everything's uh, in, in French, all those initials. Um, of course, the USEF uh, governs the sport in this country, the United States Equestrian Federation. You see, I'm doing it again, Heather. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of it all. <laughs> uh, but 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 do you do you find I mean obviously it's the rider's responsibility isn't it to keep up with all the rules and the changes of terms and all the rest of it then but but you 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 get information from the governing bodies when you when when you take obviously uh, about the rules but you also have to keep up with the changes don't you? Well, you do, and it's kind of like a big tidal wave because as changes get made, then more changes are made the next week. And um, but I mean, at least we've got such a um, you know a wealth of information in the internet, and that the uh, usef.org website is a great one to go through and read all about the dressage and rules and discipline um, particularities. And the horseport.org is the FE, is the official FEI website and lots of information to just read through there as much time as you want to spend. I'm sure that there's endless amounts on that website as well. 
And um, I mean, those are great sources of information to kind of get a good start on um, the lingo and the acronyms, um, whether they're breed registries that you might see printed around or um, GMO acronyms, um, different rules and regulations. And then, you know, Heather, GMO, GMOs. Uh, GMO with group member organization. <laughs> Thank you. It's so easy to do. Yeah, it um, is. <laughs> different names of riders and horses. Are, it's valuable to get familiar with the names of um, riders at the top of the sport and horses and sort of the ages, just all sorts of things to start um, delving into. So it's a great uh, question. I'm glad we got that listener email from, uh, from was it Don? Dawn, yes. Thank you, Dawn. And again, the CDI is an international dressage competition. And as Heather said earlier, she's going to be competing with Paragon in his first CDI, which will be an international equestrian federation sanctioned event uh, show this weekend. So um, if you if you go to FEI.org, I think you can also get there that, that way as well as horsesport.org. Both of those will get you to the FEI's website, the International Equestrian Federation. And you can see the CDI, the, 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 the C goes in, is in front of the um, competition for all disciplines. So uh, CSIO is, is, is jumping, CEI is, is dressage, uh, and, and, and on it goes. You, um, C, um, uh, all, all of the FEI disciplines prefix their international competitions with C, which stands for Concours, which is French for show. So I hope that's uh, clarified that for you, Dawn. As always, uh, let us know if you have any questions or comments, and uh, we'll certainly pass those along to Heather. Uh, any suggestions for tips as well? Any, any, any questions you have, comments, questions, and suggestions, you can send those to me at chris at horseradionetwork.com, or if you prefer, you can leave a voicemail at 270-803-0025. Don't forget you can visit our, our website for the show notes at dressageradio.com. Or our fan page on Facebook. We have a fan page there, as does Heather, and so do I, Chris Stafford, Heather Blitz. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Um, That's at Horse Radio. You can follow Horse Radio for all news of all the uh, shows here at the Horse Radio Network, or Heather Blitz, or Chris E. Stafford. You have to put the E in Stafford. The Chris Stafford was already taken. And we tweet quite a lot, don't we, Heather? Oh, we do. We're tweeting away <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're about running out of time this week. Um, we, but I do want to thank our sponsors for making this show possible. And thank you very much for taking time out to join us here on the Dressage Radio Show. It's always fun having you here. And as as this goes to air, of course, you will be competing at the Palm Beach uh, Dressage Tour. I'll be down there in Wellington, Florida with, with uh, Paragon both in the uh, pre-San George and the intermediate one. So we want to wish you the very best of luck. Thank you. Send very good pirouette vibes our way. (laughs) (laughs) We absolutely will. We'll be following your results there. And I know um, if you follow Heather on Twitter, Heather Blitz, uh, or Paragon's fan page, Paragon on Facebook, you'll be able to keep up with what's happening to this combination. So... We'll have you back in a few weeks' time, Heather, if you'll come and join us again. Of course. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, Have a lot of fun this weekend, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. (laughs) 